Hi, I'm Chesney in Aarhus, Denmark. And I'm Weldon in Nyi-sur-Seine, France. And you're listening to... American on the Outside. So, uh, Chesney, I guess like the rest of most of Europe, your family is watching the championship right now, the UEFA championship right they are they are indeed they are in the other room neither cheering for nor against england and italy (laughs) denmark got knocked out what last week yes by england and spain got knocked out last week by italy yeah we yeah we were actually in copenhagen for the quarterfinals um when uh, denmark one against, I think it was the Czech Republic. Sounds right. And it was bananas. It was a, everybody was out and they were celebrating. And then shortly before the end of the match, there was a torrential downpour in Copenhagen. Just in Copenhagen, I watched <laughs> a I watched the radar of it as it was happening. It was just a giant orange circle right over Copenhagen that opened up and closed. It was about 30 minutes of just this like cloud burst and it was gone, but everything was soaked, but people were out um, celebrating and splashing around in fountains and honking horns. And it was, they were very excited, very excited because uh, as you may or may not know, Denmark got off to a pretty rocky start um this this tournament oh yes they're one of their players i think it was their team captain had a heart attack what on the on the on the field during during the opening game with finland oh my god is he okay he's okay but it was very very it was very traumatic for the team for the fans for the opposing team for the opposing team's fans. It was sure, sure. It was very traumatic for everybody. I think. Um, yeah, it was. It was something. So, and they went on to to unfortunately lose that match because they decided to play mm-hmm. to continue with the game, which I think everybody acknowledges was kind of not not the best the idea. Best idea that everybody's mind was not in the game anymore sure um but they but they came back and and i think they beat russia czech republic russia czech republic there might have been another game in there that i'm not aware of because as you know soccer football to the rest of the world is is not really america's sport yet right it's I guess it is and it isn't, right? Like, it's the most played sport among youth leagues, even more than, than baseball. Or football? Yep. Really? That is... That's surprising. It's surprising that... But, yeah, it doesn't translate into viewership, I guess, at the pro and, and college level. And huh. and it doesn't translate to... well. I would say it doesn't translate into having a team that wins World Cups, but our women's team is one of the best in the world. It's just our men's right. soccer team is not 
one of the best in, in the world. <laughs> Needs some work. Yeah, I I've always found it very interesting because you know, you know he knew people who played soccer in high school. Sure. Um, but we, but it never really got a lot of. There was always something into... kind of exotic about it, even when it was happening in, in Starkville, you know, in, in yeah. a Mississippi town. Yeah. It's not football. It's not baseball. It's not the sports Basketball. that sort of Americans know how to cheer for. Right. But, you know, we have a we have a friend in, in London, and he plays soccer pretty religiously. Um, he, right, right. And he played in high school as well. It's just really interesting to me how how the structure for soccer, or I should say football. Uh, Calcio. Fo- <laughs> how the structure for football in the rest of the world, how, how the games are played, how the leagues are arranged, how many different tournaments they have. Right. Um, it is kind of... I, for somebody who's not a native to it, very complex, it seems to me. Am, am I am I wrong about that? Because you have you have national leagues, and, and, you, and have, you have relegation, and you right like the the losing teams move down a league kind of thing. Yes, and the winning you know and the winning teams move up, but then you have each country has its own league. Like in in Germany, I think it's the Bundesliga. Right, in right. England or in the United Kingdom, rather, it's it's uh, the Premier League, I guess. The yeah, Premier and Championship, yeah. Yeah, and so you have you have, and those are all inner city. Those are cities. So there's inner city rivalry, but then you have global tournaments. Yeah, I mean, I guess like. The analogy would be the Premier League is like the NFL in the U.S. Like Chicago has a team and and uh, Washington has a team and New York has a team. Whereas right. like the but there's not a team U.S. football team like gridiron football team because there's no one right. we would really play against except maybe Australia. But rugby. <laughs> <laughs> we apparently apparently uh, our t- rugby team did really well this year. In the in the world world champ or last year, whenever the World Cup was, I, uh, I but didn't. right, but I don't, you know, I only heard that third hand. I uh, if you had asked me, I wouldn't know if we have a national rugby team or not. But we apparently do, and it's apparently really good. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's what the fascinating thing to me about football is the way it can bring a country. Together and by football, I do mean soccer, not right, right, not American football, but like football. Uh, it's it's so fascinating to me that like these, you know, a country that can have very intense interleague city rivalries, right, can forget about all of that when it comes down to things like the Euro Cup or the World Cup. Sure, sure, and you'll see players who are you know, on teams that are very bitter rivals now on the national team together and working together and, uh, yeah. Right. And I just find it so fascinating how, how they can set aside those kind of 
I guess it's friendly rivalries in some cases, in some cases not so friendly rivalries. I I mean, to... I mean, what, what, that's the whole hooliganism thing, right? Like, right. Rowdy fans. Right. Rowdy fans that like to, who get, who are very passionate about their right. team <laughs> and, and show that passion in sometimes not very constructive ways. But we have that in the, in the U.S. as well. Some. Some. Don't I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that we have a sport that gets the kind of like, I don't want to say groupthink, but like the, this, uh, the, it's famous that the crowds at at British football games are kind of these awesome forces that that just have a mind of their own and and can't really be controlled. And that's not what I would how I would describe like most U.S. sports fans that I can think of. Right. When we were kids, you remember the the horrible uh, the Hillsboro uh, tragedy. Yes. And right. now obviously some of that was there was, uh, you know, crushes happen everywhere and there were some specific design problems with that stadium. But that, I don't know, it sort of fed this this image in my head of like the soccer fans as this as this unstoppable, like group force, uh, you know, as opposed to just a whole bunch of individuals in the same place. Right. Well, I know. Again, in Hamburg, for example, I know that um, the team there, St. Pauli, has pretty devoted fans that can get kind of rowdy. And frequently, you know, St. Pauli, the stadium, is very close to the to the, Reaper, the Reeperbahn. If, if you are down on the Reeperbahn mm-hmm. around the time of a game, there are riot police. There right, are mounted right. riot police. They are prepared for anything because it can it can get it can get you know intense. Soccer fans are intense right. in a way that American fans aren't. But we are. We do get really. We're very devoted to our 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 teams. And it seems. I, I think um, you do sometimes see riots after like the Super Bowl. It would have to be like a big game. And, and I think what's really interesting is that the riots in the U.S. like that don't happen where the game is played, right? Because the Super Bowl is just some random city. It's not. It's not. It, it's not one of the two cities it's competing. But it's you, if, if Philadelphia wins, there will be a riot in Philadelphia, not in Houston, where the game was, right? Right. And do you think that that's an, an intentional? thing on the part of the organizers of the major games to sort of diffuse any passions that might ignite like if if there's a riot in philly and they were playing in philly right do you think it i mean do you think it would be a more intense or more likely to happen do you think it's an intentional an intentional precaution on the part of organizers that's an interesting question. I always assumed it was just a, a money making scheme to to get more cities in on the. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. Who am I kidding? But That's I altruistic. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I think American football also has more of a. There's it's more concise. Uh, like the game is timed, 
and I mean, I guess the, the soccer game is time too, but then they add on extra time just randomly. Uh, and, yeah. and there's a winner and a loser, which is not always the case in soccer, right? Like, right. I mean, they'll do a shootout in a tournament game, but uh, draws are much more common. Right. And, you know, I, I think, I wonder if maybe the American public doesn't really have the patience for, for soccer, right? <laughs> but and we like is- baseball and baseball takes patience, so... Yeah, I think personally, I think we like college sports a lot more. Sure. Or at least maybe maybe that's the SEC that maybe that's the Southeastern Conference girl in me talking. <laughs> we are much more tied to our college teams than we are to professional teams. I think I, I yeah, I think that is a southern thing cuz we didn't I mean, growing up we didn't have there's a lot more NFL teams in the South now than when we were kids. You know, there's there's Carolina, there's Jacksonville. Um, the Saints. It, yeah, it, it really was at the time just the Saints and uh, and Atlanta. And, and the Cowboys, if you're going to move out to Texas. If you're going to go, go to Texas. There were like three or four, or probably, we're probably leaving some out. Uh, and Miami. Um, and Miami. But they've added Tennessee, they've added Carolina, they've added Jacksonville. They, they've expanded... Uh, into the South a lot. I mean, it's the Washington football team that's no longer, thankfully, named after an ethnic slur. Uh, their sure. their fight song includes the words uh, "fight for old Dixie" because at the time, oh, ouch. yeah, but at the time they were the or they they were the farthest South NFL team there was when they were founded. Wow. Yeah, or when they moved from Boston to uh, to Washington. But but again, because right because college, I mean, college football is such of a a huge draw in the South that maybe that crowds out some of the, I don't know. I don't know. Probably fairly. I would imagine just. So as um, an American overseas, I guess maybe we get exposed to soccer as a, as a spectator sport more than uh, Americans back home do. And it, other than what we just talked about with the crowds, like, is it a different experience for you watching it, like, in a, in a bar or, or wherever? I think it is. I think that even if you <laughs> don't understand the entirety of the game or, I mean, you know, it's a little ball that goes down the field and it gets hit into a goal. And right. You do kind of feel the energy of the room and you do choose a, you do find yourself choosing a team and picking a side and cheering for that side, especially when you're in a group of people. Right, I, right. And I think that I think that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to not have any sort of emotional attachment to an outcome. Yeah. But just sort uh, of enjoy the the mechanics of the game almost. Right, and just enjoy like cheering for a team, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're not in, you're not emotionally invested in it. And I, I yeah, I've been abroad now since 2006, and my first World Cup tournament was in Mongolia. I was in oh, Mongolia wow. for that, and the Mongolians were surprisingly very very into the world cup now if memory serves they did not have a team playing in the world cup right no (laughs) but they set up like a beer tent in um, the circus which was this big 
space outside of like the big shopping district. It was a big space. Mm-hmm. They set up a big, they set up a big beer tent and they would watch it every night or whenever it was on, when they ever got, when they gathered and they were, they, they loved it. It was this moment where you could feel the world coming together to watch a game, one game. Yeah. Not like, not like the Olympics where you're watching, where the world comes together to watch many different games. Right. Many different sports. But, but which, one, one match, right? One match, you know, that was being played at that time. Now, I, of course, I've, however many World Cups, I think I'm on my third or fourth World Cup now. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun to just hang just to see people come out and sit in in cafes like sort of clear streets and put benches up in the middle of streets to watch the their team mm-hmm. play a game yeah and the whole country holds its breath when their team is playing right. and you know when in Denmark when Denmark scored a goal you could hear. You didn't have to be watching the game. You could be. You sitting. could tell just from the town, right? But just the town just would like, just there was a huge shout that would go up when something bad happened. You like heard a collective boo or ah, like it was, right, right. It was just the whole town, the whole country. You just experience to experience a sport in that way. I don't know that like. I don't know that we have that in the U.S. I, don't I mean, know yeah, we, have... we don't. We not on a national level in the sense of U.S. competing against other countries, right? I think last year or the year before, before the pandemic, um, Algeria beat Morocco in the African Cup, um, mm-hmm. and it was sort of like France's game against Germany this year. It was a an own goal. At the oh. at the very end of the of the game, yeah. um, and just the I'm sort of out in the in the you know the suburbs of Paris, uh, which has a very high immigrant population, and it mm-hmm. just went crazy, like just cars honking everywhere, yeah. and you know. Um, but I, I got the feeling that even you know non-immigrant Parisians sort of felt like that you know that's a that's a game worth having a stake in, right? Because that's that's deciding the championship of Africa, and that's that's a noble thing or something. <laughs> right, but I think that for football, different countries take interest in other other games and other parts of the world because at at a certain point in time, you're going to see those teams in the World Cup, right? Right, right. And so you, it sort of on you or on the fans to make sure that you sort of see what's going on out there. Who's going to be our competition? Who do we, right. you know, and when your team doesn't win, well, it doesn't mean you stop watching the tournament. You just pick a new team to follow. The stakes aren't as high for you. Right. Because it's not your team, but it's, it's fun to pick another team and follow them until they either win or, are out and then you get to pick another team to follow and cheer for. And they, they, I find that they do. Though it's also, I mean, it's different from almost any American tournament in that most American tournaments are you lose, you're out. Right. Um, Mm. 
Whereas uh, UEFA, the World, uh, the World Cup, that kind of those tournaments, you can lose and then you don't know until two other teams face each other down the road whether you advance or not. And so right. you'll find people strategically cheering for Spain because Spain beat whoever. And if Spain wins this game, then their team uh, gets to advance, uh, right. whatever calculus they use for that. And I think that, um, the only thing that I can think of that's similar in the U S, uh, was before the BCS when there was the, uh, all the college football teams would get bowl bids and then there would be some kind of calculation done to rank the, the champion, uh, right. as opposed to having the, the bowl, bowl championship series they have now. The fact that we went to a BCS, I think, shows that Americans don't like, like they want, they want a, a bracket. They want a, a a narrowing bracket rather than a kind of round robin point system like like soccer uses. Yes, they want March Madness. Exactly. They don't want. They don't, want, they don't want to have to do any sort of weird chess, three moves down. If this team wins and this team loses, then our team will play this team. They don't want to do that kind of like mental gymnastics. Oh, and right. It, now that you say that, the only other time we do that is the wild card series in the NFL and MLB. And people hate that. People hate the wild card uh, uh, <laughs> because see, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't, again, I'm a college sports kid, professional sports. I, I could take or leave. No offense to you professional sports fans out there to each their own. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm more of a college a college sports fan. Um, again, I think that has a lot to do with where we grew up, which is a college town. It's got a lot of team spirit and right. university spirit. So, yeah. But I think what you were saying earlier is is interesting that even countries that aren't competitive or even remotely competitive in soccer, the people love watching. Uh, the World Cup and and the the various uh, regional championships. Like I remember, uh, FIFA sent the physical trophy, the World Cup, to India when I was there, and oh, people wow. went crazy. People, you know, like people lined up for days to see it. And I mean, the the joke was that's the closest the World Cup's ever gonna get to India, oh, which is awful. No. But I mean, but no, I mean, you know, India is just not a competitive soccer country right now. And right. I think I think people are straightforward about that, but they love watching the World Cup there, and everybody has, you know, you'll see, you'll see a lot of Real Madrid jerseys and a lot of mm-hmm. Manchester United jerseys. So like everyone has European football teams there that they follow. No, my my, my youngest son has three football jerseys from three different countries: um, Turkey, Germany, and. Denmark so yeah he's a he's a big soccer fan although he did fall asleep tonight during the game like in the in the first half hour he was out um I mean he's he's seven right right uh yeah well they call it the beautiful game for a reason right I mean sure or am I am I it's a beautiful game golf wait hold on (laughs) boxing is the sweet science (laughs) (laughs) um I mean, there's something there's something democratic about soccer, right? I think that's what people like about it is you can 
you don't really need fancy equipment, right? You you mark out a field and you have a ball and and it's sort of it's sometimes billed as a post-colonial sport that way that mm-hmm. like you know the global south is competitive in in soccer it doesn't mm-hmm. take these huge stadiums and giant uh you know equipment budget like american football does or you know, right. even baseball it struck me because like i mentioned india is not competitive particularly in soccer but is dominant in cricket Right, uh, which is very much not post-colonial, right? Like that—that's that's, that's right. a very colonial sport, <laughs> right? Um, but but you also have some of like the really great teams being in the New World, like Brazil for the uh, for the World Cup. Yeah. yeah, like Brazil is again. I don't know that much about soccer, but I do know that Brazil is has been and is a really good national team. Uh, yeah, the description I like best is imagine the New York Yankees, but instead of being universally hated, they're universally loved. Like that's kind of Brazil's soccer team, right? It's just it's been really it's been a really fun time watching watching everybody cheer for Denmark or whoever they're cheering for tonight. Probably not England. Probably not um, England. No. <laughs> probably people here are cheering for Italy. Um, it's been really fun and it's been exciting to see this team do some great stuff. It's also got me thinking about like tribalism and mm-hmm. you know how how we form relationships and, and and with identities and tribes and and how we become who we are and I'm I start to think about how in the US we form our little our little tribes. Sure. We're all part of multiple tribes everywhere in the world, but um, especially in the U.S., I feel very from very early on, we are taught to form little tribes of people. I think about like pee wee football. Right. Um, I don't know about. I grew up in very. I went to elementary school in a very very rural part of Mississippi. Yeah. And we had like peewee football teams. Our elementary school had a peewee football team, and our big rival was like the peewee football team at a different at the, primary the, the school. The next primary school over, right? <laughs> right, in it, like another part of the county. And, you know, and then that just graduated up to high school when I got to high school. We had our rivals in in Starkville, where we both went to high school. Our big rival was uh, Tupelo, right? West Tupelo, Point, West Point, Grenada. Columbus. Yeah, I mean, we had a bunch, you know. And then we go up to university, like University Town is Mississippi State. Our big school rival is Ole Miss, Ole Miss, or whatever they're calling them <laughs> themselves these days. Right. Uh, and I just, I just wonder if that contributes to our, our animosity. It's good natured when we do it as a team sport. Sure. Sort of. Sometimes. <laughs> mostly. I mean, mostly. <laughs> For a lot of Americans living overseas, I think we don't tend to, literally or figuratively, like wrap ourselves in the American flag, right? Like that's there's a sense of maybe 
it's not shame. It's not. It's not anything like that. But a lot of us who live overseas sort of get in this habit of not being loudly American. And it's only at a soccer game that I might, you know, wear a red, white, and blue robe or something. And, and you know, sure. cha- and even just the chant USA, USA, like I, I kind of, that bothers me when I hear it in the U.S., but at a soccer game, I would join in that, right? Whereas I wouldn't probably at a rally in the States. Right. Now, whether that's more about me or about soccer, I don't know, but. I think that when you have a sport where you can or something where you can focus sort of your nationalism or your pride, mm-hmm. it takes away your national pride, I guess. It takes away from not takes away, but it sort of lets the is a release valve for other types right. of of nationalism or obnoxious nationalism that I think to be fair, maybe not. I think all countries could possibly take part in this. I don't think it's necessarily unique to the United States, but I do think that we are more stereotyped like that than other parts of the world. And we have a bigger stick when we, when we do that, you know, so it, it carries more, more weight. Uh, right. Right. I mean, I can remember being, you know, one of the things that we are known for in the world is like the stereotype of the, the rude American, right? The sure. The pushy, rude American. And I had never actually really experienced a pushy, rude American outside of the United States until I was in Paris. No, that's <laughs> not true. I guess our my first my first experience was with was with a, a man in in Beijing who was very rude to some hotel staff, just oh no, over the top rude, and just oh, it was bad, it was so bad. <laughs> the other time was in Paris when I was pregnant, visibly pregnant, waiting to be seated for dinner, and a, an American with my husband and. An, an American couple came in and we were standing there waiting and they just like zoomed right around us. Oh, the sidle. Yeah. Oh no. And and my husband and I were just like, what just happened here? (laughs) They were just, they like walked in. They were like, Oh, that's our table. I'm like, what? No. Oh, that's awful. It was, Oh, it was. (sighs) So yeah, but we do we do get stereotyped as loud and obnoxious. But I gotta say, there are other countries in Europe. Looking at you, Great Britain, <laughs> that also are stereotyped that way too, depending on where they are on the continent. I mean, right. So it's not just us. Everybody has has their stereotype. I just wonder if if having a national team that you can rally behind for a sport that the world loves mm-hmm. and follows regardless of whether or not they have a team in the tournament 
I just wonder if that if that doesn't do a lot for some of of taking some of the pressure off. Um, I mean, Umberto as, Eco said like it's a it's a stand-in for war, right? Like it mm. it it developed from oh the two villages were fighting over their boundary, mm. and so they just have a big you know shoving match in the field. Right. Uh, and that's how the boundary was decided until eventually it, it developed into a, a game. Right. Um, and even today in, in Florence, they I don't know if you've ever seen it, the so Calcio is soccer in, in Italian, but they have also uh, Calcio Historico, like they call it historic soccer, mm-hmm. which is soccer with bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> Like it's instead of like instead of a hip check, you actually bare knuckle box the other team. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I, I oh. highly recommend everyone like look up a video about Calcio Storico. Um. <laughs> that sounds brutal. So and and is this like a league that they have? Are they actually fighting over territory? Well, <laughs> so they they used to. It was um. It was. It's in this. There's four quarters of Florence, and there's a, a an old Roman circus in the center, and that's where they have mm. this. And oh. in the Middle Ages, it was who got to control access to the the church there, like which of the four oh. quarters got uh, some kind of toll revenue or something from going to the church. Okay. I mean, now they just fight. There's a trophy that goes to to whichever quarter wins that year, but. Um, yeah, it's it's like it, it's it's an abstraction and sublimation to use you know a, a philosophy term of of a struggle of a, a, a struggle for territory for control of, of a field mm. is, is where it comes from, right? And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I like the idea that that it limits it's an outlet for violence that otherwise. You know, so you can play soccer instead of having a war, and it it satisfies that kind of that need people have for conflict and for uh, but, conquest, even. Yeah, but also, like you you cheer for your team. Your your warriors are on the field. You get to observe. Right. Your 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 warriors play this game, and it's a very like set time period that has very specific rules and you have like a referee who you know or umpire whatever they're called in football and at the end of the day everybody walks away and right right we can all go back to <laughs> commerce and whatever we do <laughs> tomorrow it's yeah it's all good and we, we're still trade partners we still have <laughs> treaties we still have, you know, tourism back and forth. It's it's all good. Um...